It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Oh, good morning. I miss you guys on the weekend. I may just have to do a weekend show. I got my Indiana shirt on because Indiana won and red makes my face well, really pretty on TV. We got a lot of NFL to get to. I don't mean a lot. I mean a ton. We got college basketball to get to. Tragedy down in Alabama. We're going to have Trey Wallace talk about what transpired with an Alabama basketball player who is now accused of not murder, but capital murder. Are you kidding me? We're going to, but first, you know this show loves vigilante justice. You know it does. Let's go to Guitar Center and see what's going on at the Guitar Center when somebody tried to take a guitar. I love this. You're going to leave right now. Do you understand me? Do you understand me? You are leaving this store right now. Right? You're going to gently let you up. Get up. Get up. Get the f*** up. Oh. Good job, dude. Yeah! wanted to fund the police and you know in stores it's quote racist or sexist or xenophobic to stop anybody from stealing those are truly the words that my wife hears when she is told don't stop anybody at Athleta in the fashion mall here let's take it upon ourselves I love it all right officiating stinks in the NFL so I looked into it I did we're gonna get to everything you want but let's talk about officiating nobody wants to talk about this I want to talk about this. Everybody wants to complain about officiating. Now, here's what happened. I talked to three different NFL officials and ex-officials about this this weekend. A couple years ago, you know the deal. We got to get younger. We got to get woker. We got to get more diverse. That's fine. I don't care. The biggest fear for the NFL is one of those studies comes out and says we're not diverse enough. But that's not really what happened here with NFL officiating. What happened with NFL officiating is they decided the old guy got to get out. So now, even though NFL officiating is at historically bad levels, it doesn't matter. Here's the deal. Eight to 10 years of experience. Now I'm talking about high school experience up to being into the league is what you need. Now used to be, you needed 20 to 25 years minimum before you made it into the NFL. Used to be. 
Now, it's not the, it, now, it's eight to 10 years. Experience matters in these over half the staff has been out. 52% of NFL officials, 52, have less than 10 years experience. Less than five years, 37%. And you know why they did this. I mean, let's be honest. They didn't want the old white guy in there. We know. Everybody knows. Nobody wants to say it. But these are the numbers. Eight to 10 years now. Uh, a friend of mine who was an NFL official for 26 years, had 27 uh, or eight playoff assignments, was told by some young punk, well, you had to wait 20 to 24 years. You must not have been any good. Why? So now you're seeing crap. Now you're seeing lazy. You're seeing crap. You're seeing bad calls. You're seeing an officiating crew that because they decided we're wiping out experience. And it's not white guys. It's everybody. They wiped out. Hey, it didn't matter. Uh, African-American, but you're old. Out. Out. And in no sport does experience matter more. So you want to bring in all new young guys, and you're fast-tracking. Now, this isn't going to change. you got to understand something. The officiating union is strong, and because it's strong, and because it's gotten diverse, there's nothing Roger Goodell can do. What you got to hope is that this particular group grows and gets better. But when you look at it, 8 to 10 years as opposed to 20 to 25. Now, I'm talking about some guys three years in high school. Four years in high school. He moves up to, what, junior college or college. Then he moves up to major college. And now he's in the NFL. Used to be he had to have 20-some years. 20. Think about the difference in that. That's why. I mean, look, let's not even, let's not even BS ourselves. It's exactly why. They got rid of older, experienced guys. They wanted to get younger. Nothing worse than that. The report comes out. And you're not the most diverse league in the world. So they got rid of all these guys. And now look what you got. It's horrible. It's, impo- it's hurting the product, and they don't even know it. Anyway, all right, ladies and gentlemen, I got to tell you, we're going to go through the whole wild card recap. But I loved Fox pregame with Charles Woodson and Michael Vick. Pencil-necked little white media guy is always going to say, well, you know, Lamar Jackson shouldn't play because pencil-necked little white media guy is so afraid to be labeled. Labeled as race. Oh, you're racist. You're saying he should go out there. Labeled as anti-player. Oh, you're anti-player. We're not going to talk to you. Dudes that played Charles Woodson and Michael Vick do not care. Let's go to the video of Charles Woodson and Michael Vick talking about Lamar Jackson because they think Lamar Jackson should have played. We saw what happened on Thursday when he put out a tweet explaining exactly what is going on with his knee. And this was met with a lot of blowback from some folks, other people saying, good, Lamar finally spoke. The truth of the matter is there is there is some murky waters right now as far as not only Lamar Jackson, if they win, if he could play next week, but what the future of Lamar Jackson is in Baltimore. I'm a mere reporter. I'm not in that building. But, Sean Payton, you have coached several teams over the years. Your thought on the situation? Yeah, look, I don't like it. And they're in a playoff game. And I get if he's not playing, but this whole tweet out, let me explain my whole medical uh, status. Uh, and, look, I'm hearing grumblings from a, a handful of folks there that their teammates feel like 
Uh, his process has been slower than expected. Uh, I, I just don't like it. The, the team's more important right now than you. And, and we appreciate the information on your injury status. You're not playing. I get it. I don't see this player back in Baltimore next year. Oh, wow. And uh, I, I think he'll end up with another club. Yeah, I look at it. You know, if this team was, you know, 2-15, and 15, I, I could see him not coming yeah. back and trying to finish out the season. It just seems that, you know, we all play this game to try to win a Super Bowl. Like, yeah. that's the main goal. And if you have a, good, a team that's good enough to get to the playoffs, and you guys, we're it, not what, having what, this conversation. It, that contract. It, it, you're not having a con like three games. I understand. Away. You know, he's playing the game. I don't know if I would have the balls to do it. I'm, I'm being yeah, real honest with you. Like you know, to sit out. Like but kudos to him. I mean, he's he's about his business. He he figures they, they don't want to pay him. Part. So, but like but, Coach say, like you just said, it's the playoffs, man. You three, yeah, game, you three yeah. games away. Put a brace on it. Get it going. And look, put a brace on it. Let's it, go. It, it, well, it's hard, it's hard to say that, though. Right. If, we don't if know if he's really not hurt. Right. I, don't I don't know the extent played, of his injury. I played the whole season on the, on the spring MCL, so. Yeah, I understand you know, if I mean, he's not I, ready. The whole season. But with Char a lower Char body injury, he's going to be up in the press box. He's not going to be on the field for me. Charles. You know? Char and he wasn't even at the stadium. Was not even at the stadium. I go back to what Shannon Sharp said very, very sternly. I'm not playing. All right. See, Little guy, media guy, says, well, you know, RG3 hurt his knee. Yeah, well, a lot of guys became legendary. Legendary by playing injured. Legendary. You know, one of the things that is amazing to me is how the difference between former players talking about the modern injury and little pencil neck media guy. I love little pencil neck media guy. They walk their dogs. And speaking of pencil neck media guy, do they love anybody more than Mike McDaniel? Mike McDaniel, uh, oh my God, what a great job he did coaching. Oh my God, no, he didn't. He was absolute horse bleep, and he hurt his team from getting a chance to beat the Buffalo Bills because he couldn't get a play clock in. There was actual video. I don't know if we have it, uh, but there was actual video of him not getting, not getting plays in not getting them in, and he had over a minute in some cases. Mike McDaniel is a, oh, my God, he's so great. He quote, quotes, uh, quotes Michi. He's got a nice beard. He's biracial. And, well, he wears skinny jeans and cool T-shirts. Now, shut up. Shut up. Mike McDaniels cost his team, and he cost him big time. I'll tell you who else cost his team and cost him big time. Brendan Staley. It was funny. I was watching Get Up this morning. And Dan Orvlowski, because Dan Orvlowski is like Brandon Staley and is like Mike McDaniels, the skinny jeans, the millennial, and oh my God, everything's great. Uh, <laughs> Rex Ryan just shut him down. I will say this. Brandon Staley picking up the helmet of Joey Bosa after Joey Bosa acted like a complete idiot, slamming it down, getting an unsportsmanlike penalty, set coaching back 100 years. More than even Jeff Saturday. And nobody set coaching back more than Jeff Saturday. Brandon Staley stinks. Bra Joey Bosa comes off the side. We can't show it because of the NFL rules. He slams his helmet down. Here goes Brandon Staley. He runs to give it back to him. And what does Joey Bosa do? He slams it down again. I've told you for a year and a half now. Kindness is weakness to players. 
Kindness is weakness. Don't be kind to players. They take it as weakness. Here, here, Joey, I'm going to get your helmet for you. The head coach of an NFL team. Can you see Shula or Belichick or anybody that's ever won anything? I personally, this is true, I would fire Brandon Staley yesterday. He would have been gone Lane Kiffin style on the tarmac after the game. I'm running up it. I'm going to give you your helmet, Joey. The dude just cost you the game. Joey Bosa cost you the game. This kid made a kick. Game's over. Joey Bosa cost you the game. And I'm going to go get his helmet because, well, the modern NFL coach, the way, the way they taught me, Brandon Staley and Mike McDaniel, we, we got to be nice to guys. Shut the hell up and get out of the prof- – go back to being offensive coordinators or going back – to wherever the hell you came from. Well, you know, we got to go to Top Golf too. We don't really want to practice because, you know, the guys don't want to practice. And, and, and I've got my Scooby Doo shirt on uh, at practice, so I'm really cool. Get out. Get, get the frauds out. Get them all out. Yes, great year. Wonderful job, Mike. Get out. Brandon Staley, get out. And I got a, a word about Trevor Lawrence. How bad was he and then how good was he? A word about Doug Peterson. You know, I love me some Urban Meyer, but that was some serious play calling by Doug Peterson. Dudes were wide open. All Trevor Lawrence had to do, find a guy Jones in the end zone. My God, was that good play calling. I don't know why, I don't know how, I don't know what, but that was some damn good play calling by Doug Peterson or whoever the heck's calling plays because dudes were wide open. I mean, wide, wide open. All right, um, we're going to get back to all of the NFL and college hoops. I got all kind of stuff. But I got to tell you, I, fake tough guys. Fake tough guys in Alabama, right on the main strip, shooting a woman in her car. Shooting a woman, killing a woman in her car in Tuscaloosa, right in the middle of the street. Why is it on our show? Because the guy who is charged with capital murder is Darius Miles, basketball player, University of Alabama basketball team. So we got to talk about this with our guy, Trey Wallace. Hey, Trey, give me the latest on this horrific situation, my friend. Yeah, good morning, D.D. Hope you're doing well, brother, and have a good weekend. Um, yeah, it's, yes, it's been an interest, interesting uh, 48 hours for the University of Alabama. Um, they smoke, uh, you know, LSU beat them up by, I think it was 40 points on Saturday. Um, it, uh, the player you were talking about, former player, uh, Darius Miles, was, was on the bench. And uh, that night, early Sunday morning, um, according to, to, to the police, uh, he was involved in a, a shooting right off the strip. And I, and I know that area very well, uh, having lived in the town for a little bit, covered a lot of the area. Um, it, it's right off the, the famous strip in Tuscaloosa where all the college kids go hang out uh, and go to all the bars in the area. Uh, and it, it, you know, one forty-five something, one forty-three in the morning, um, gunshots ring out and um, – yeah, he is a part of it. Now, the police did not say whether or not he pulled the trigger or not, but since he was in the vehicle, no matter what, since he was in the vehicle, uh, he's still getting the, the capital murder charge. Um, in, in an interesting, you know, 
twisted how this happened. The driver of the other vehicle, along with a, a female passenger who was shot and unfortunately killed, uh, they made their way, and it's not far. Um, so they made their way. They go probably, I would say it's probably a block away from where the shooting occurred. Uh, they went about a block away, saw a police officer. And if you want to know what the, the, the Denny Chimes is and the Walk of Champions you keep hearing about where they uh, came up to the police officer, it's right across, I mean, it's literally right across the street from the stadium, uh, Brian Denny Stadium. So it's right there. So they uh, they came up to a police officer who was there, uh, probably just posted up, I'd imagine. And... Uh, Called it in. I don't called it in. Police did got got her to the hospital, but just didn't make it. So, um, just a horrible situation down in Tuscaloosa. Um, I expect you know you 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 just don't expect these type of things. Um, you don't. Uh, you, you look around at the situation, and 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 Tuscaloosa is fairly you know right there on campus you know it's it's a it's a that's a safe spot i mean it's a safe place um i can say that i've, I've been there and i've been around it um but man just a wild incident nate oates alabama coach uh i think he's he's not speaking about this i'm sure you're not going to be able to but he'll be speaking with the press here in about three hours um the Alabama quickly deleted everything with Darius Miles from <laughs> everywhere. But I'll go back to something. You know, a couple things that I've been paying attention to. Three things. One, he was on the bench for the game. And Alabama, the basketball side of it, looks as good as any team in the country. Uh, that's number one. Uh, number two, I read something, and I'm curious. One of the guys, and it may not have been Darius Miles, was shot. This was kind of a shootout. Somebody returned fire. And in three, uh, there's video of Darius Miles crying, talking about he loves somebody. So this is all, you know, it, it, this is all a little bit intertwined here. Yeah, so um, the, getting back to the, the first person you were talking about that was involved in the shooting, yeah, so it was a, it was a shootout back and forth. Um, so the other person, if I'm not mistaken, the suspect, the other suspect was shot during this and but he was released and then taken into custody uh if I, my memory serves correct off the police report um and then you you look at I and mean, you you look at the miles part of it uh yeah he was coming out of the uh that's the tuscaloosa police department right there he was walking down uh call it the winder uh, walking down the winder and he's yelling out, crying that he loves somebody. I'm sure he had a family member or somebody uh, right up, right past that police car that you could not see. Um, I'm sure there was somebody standing right there. That's what he was yelling to. Um, so, judge, <laughs> sad situation. You know, the loss of life, uh, the female losing her life with the, uh, a young child. Um, and 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 then you know other other folks just just pissing away the rest of their lives uh, over over something that I can't imagine you know was was something that was worth it's not worth dying for the argument's not worth dying for um, and and especially you know in this situation where the police said it was a minor incident on the strip and I just you know I just shake my head at it I wonder why. 
you know, something like this would, would happen. And uh, now, you know, um, like this affects, like Dave, you would know this, you know, th- this is going to affect, you know, I, I don't know how it's going to affect the play on the court and whatnot. I'm not saying that, but like this affects a basketball team. You know, you, there was probably a couple kids that were uh, close to the guy uh, on the team. And uh, he had been there for three years, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so it, it just it, it, there's a trickle down effect, Dan. And, and I'm interested to see uh, what Alabama does and how they go from here. They're not going to be, you know, they're not involved legal wise or anything like that. But I, I do feel like that it, it will have some sort of trickle down effect onto the team. You know, I used to talk to Brad Stevens, the Celtics. Uh, general manager all the time about different things. We used to talk basketball, and one of the things that we both always said, it's hard enough to win when everything is moving in the same direction. To your point about Alabama's program, and there are going to be kids there that were friends with him. He's been there for three years, so this is going to affect a lot of people. This is, I don't know what's going to happen on the field or on the court, and frankly, you know, who knows, but I do know this, when you're on a team and in basketball, just like football, you're there year-round. You know, it used to be you went home in the summer, you worked out, but now, as you know, you're there, and so I guarantee you there's a number of guys that are close to Darius Miles, and I read from some that, hey, this is totally unexpected. This was a very bad week um, in college athletics, and, and I didn't preface this within our, you know, pre-show meeting, but thoughts on what happened at Georgia uh, with Devin Willock, uh, the tragedy there. Goodness gracious. Uh, That was a young man who was absolutely full of life. Um, Stafford passes away too, which is just uh, uh, terrible. No, I I interviewed, I interviewed, uh, him, I mean, it was what a week and a half, a week ago, just over a week ago, out in Los Angeles, and um, we were, we were. The conversation got brought up to him between him and teammates, and it, it's on my Twitter timeline. And they were talking about, you know, favorite spots to go eat at after a high school football game, and you know, you you just you see them lighting up um, and going back. And Devin was talking about, oh, I loved Applebee's and Waffle House. Like it was just. It was a fun story, but for a lot of people, uh, maybe that was the last time that they, you know, besides the celebration, got to see him smile or uh, or talk, you know, just have that type of conversation. It just, man, life is so fragile. Um, you got to take every day for granted. Um, reach out to the ones that you love. Uh, and if you haven't spoken with somebody in a long time, reach out and just say, hey, um, 2.45 in the morning, an incident like this happens. They, you know, a few hours later, earlier, I'm sorry, they're they're celebrating another national championship. Um, and, it, and it just goes from that celebratory mood to just gut-wrenching heartache. Um, and, and thankfully, thankfully, two others survived that incident. And if you've seen the pictures from the, 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 the incident where they went through two power poles and if I'm not mistaken, two trees and ended up in the front yard of a house. It, it, I I can't believe anybody survived that looking at that car, that expedition. So uh, Warren McClendon uh, who had announced for the NFL draft a few days ago, uh, he is a survivor out of that along with another staffer. 
just horrible news out of Georgia, and you and you really don't know how um, to deal with it. You don't know, you know, you know. Think of you know the family getting that phone call early in the morning, or, or you know Kirby Smart, you know who who's like a father figure uh, to the young man giving that phone call. It's it just a horrible situation. The last 48 hours have been absolutely miserable when it comes to, you know, just this, these types of incidents. And um, who knows what happened and what went into it. I'm not going to sit here and speculate. Um, but, um, but man, just a, a terrible situation. Yeah, I'm not either. And I got a lot of people saying, well, what's going on here, there? That'll all play itself out. You know what I mean? Like, I, I hate when people immediately go to, well, yeah, fine. I mean, whatever. I mean, but a child, a mother, a dad, whatever, lost uh, their child. Right. It was the young it, lady right. or the guy. You know. You know what I mean? Like it, people can be well, so just, freaking idiotic with that. Well, it just pisses me off, you know, because the first thing somebody wants to say is, "Well, nothing good happens after midnight." Man, you don't know what these what these kids were doing. They right. could have been coming from, you know, they, they could have been coming just from a group setting and hanging out as friends. You don't know. So the first thing that you right. want to do on social media because you're behind, behind some stupid-ass keyboard is you want to sit there and blast them for being out that late. Like, come on, man. Hold your comments. Save them. It'll come out down the road. But there's no need, you know, to, to bash a young man because you know the family's going to see it. You know his friends are going to see all this stuff. Like, just get a life. Get a life. I, I agree with you. I, I, it just blanked me off. Like, you know, a few years ago, I was coming home, a friend of mine from Chicago. We had gone to a night game at Wrigley and decided to come home. A girl was on the side of the road at 2 in the morning. Honest to God. So we get out, and, you know, we help her. She was gotten a crash, and it was a single-car crash. My buddy and I got out. She was in a ravine. We got her out. We called 911. When I told the story the next day, First thing somebody said to me, well, why are you out at 2.15? Well, why are you out? And I'm like, well, I'm coming home from Wrigley Field. Maybe they're coming home from a concert. Maybe You know what I mean? It drives me. I want, I'm glad you feel this way because it makes me crazy, the assumptions that we freaking make. And we do it immediately. Like immediately idiots do it. And social media gives people the platform to be able to do that and put out stupid comments. And look, if that's what they want to go by, that's fine. But uh, my biggest concern, you know, when I hear that news is, oh, man, okay, how's this family? How's that team? Right. How's those players? How's that uh, for everybody, for everybody involved? So right. just a uh, horrible situation. And you know what? That, that's one of the poison things about social media that I just dislike and hate. Uh, is just the ability to fire off stupid comments. So this is what it is, buddy. I saw, I just saw, a, yeah, yeah, it is. I, I saw a bunch of those. But, all right, last thing before I let you go, uh, Kentucky with a bounce back this weekend. See, I'm trying to include Indiana, my Hoosiers, in the great program category. Like, great programs bounce back. Kentucky goes to uh, Tennessee. Pretty good weekend for the Cats right there. Needed. A lot of Kentucky fans were going back and deleting their tweets about firing Cal Saturday <laughs> afternoon after that That's game right. was over. That's right. I mean, let's be honest with you. For the whole week and a half, two weeks leading up to that game, it's, okay, we're sick of Cal. We're tired of Cal. There's somebody 
you know, somebody in the stands at Rupp Arena with a take the Texas job, which I don't think I mean, that guy looked like he didn't care about basketball, but whatever. I'm just saying in general, the feeling was we got to get rid of Cal. Well, what happens? Mitch Barnhart, the athletic director, does an interview. I think it was Friday afternoon uh, talking about how, you know, they're going to try to get things done within the university for the basketball program. Calipari in, in Kentucky come out Saturday. They walk into Knoxville. They get out with a win. Uh, and, and it's like all of a sudden, okay, can they continue this? Like, I think that's the big thing. You know, Tennessee shot yeah. really bad from the field, missed a lot of layups. I want to see if can Kentucky can continue this little, you know, something that they have going, maybe a change in their lineup. I think we both saw the little tweaks that they put into their lineup. So, um, yeah, a, a very big win. And it, and it was scattered, too. Like, it it wasn't just, you know, the, the Kentucky win. You, you look what happened to, to Arkansas in Nashville against Vanderbilt. And you're like, wait a minute, what? Okay, that like that happens. You know, Missouri goes down. I'm just saying, you know, I, I think there are probably three top-tier teams in the conference. I still think Tennessee's one of them. Um, I think Alabama. Alabama should be probably number one in the country um, if we're looking at that schedule. But right now, yeah, a, a nice win for Kentucky. Let's see if they can keep this up. And and if not, okay, start the fire cow chatter back up here in about a week or two if they drop a couple games. But right now, I'll just be happy. <laughs> yeah, college hoops is nuts, man. Oh, UConn got to number one or number, whatever they got to and lost four or five. Uh, yeah, look, I, it, it's it's now people in about a week are going to start paying attention, but it's pretty good stuff. Saturday was unbelievable. It really was. It was a great day. We've got, look, conference games are kicking off. You know what I mean? We, right. we're, 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 three, we're three to four games in the to conference play. Um, here, before you know it, we're going to have to start having these Big Ten, ACC, and Big 12, SEC challenges and whatnot. I mean, Look, we're rolling. It, it is January 16th, Martin Luther King Day, college basketball. Uh, we're, we're, we're getting into the uh, to the meat part of the schedule here, so just sit back and enjoy it. Exactly right. Th- hey, thanks, my friend. Thanks for bringing it strong today, particularly on the idiots that are criticizing Georgia. Thank you for that. You got it, brother. Have a great day. You too. That is my friend Trey Wallace. You can follow him at Trey Wallace underscore and need to go to his podcast. Uh, go to Outkick and find Trey's podcast. It is absolutely spectacular, particularly, or you can go anywhere you find podcasts and you can find. I'm going to continue the weekend uh, in college basketball. Also, Greg Stanky, the SEC commissioner, goes after former. Big Ten Commissioner Warren, we got inner freaking fights. And I got some more on the foots tonight. Look, here's also the deal. Let's not even mess around, ladies and gentlemen. We got some good NFL tonight. Jonathan Hutton is going to join us as well. Get here. Hey, Sean, go tell your friends we're rolling here on on a Monday. I love Mondays. I miss you over the weekend. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. 
And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Dak Prescott tonight taking on Tom Brady. This is a must-see game. Congratulations to the Jaguars. The Jaguars, man, they came back. How bad was Trevor Lawrence in the first half? Then how good was Trevor Lawrence uh, in the second half? We're going to go stock up and stock down. And I forgot to get these guys two stock ups or I will get them to them. But I got some stock downs and... I don't know about you guys, but I like when coaches coach. All right, let's get to some, let's get to some college hoops. I talked about Indiana and I talked about Kentucky. Both teams had to have wins and both teams bounced back. I feel like, well, I don't know. Vanderbilt needed a win, so they go ahead and beat Arkansas. Clemson, let me ask you a question. A simple question. Is Duke interesting without Coach K? Duke has all these All-Americans. 24th in the country. They get whomped at home. Now, they got every All-American you want. The number one kid in this class. Number one kid in that class. I get it. John Shire, the hand-picked guy for Duke. I just hope Duke doesn't go way of my Indiana Hoosiers and think that no matter what, anybody can win at Duke. Yeah, you win games, but what can you really win? I don't know. We're going to find out. But right now, John Shire... Uh, not very interesting at Duke, and he doesn't have the mean mug. Like, I've never heard, and I'm not paid that much attention to college hoops until Saturday, but I've never heard less chatter about Duke. Kentucky did Kentucky things, but man, I got to tell you, Tennessee fan, how many layups can you miss? Like, I think it was Chad Withrow on Twitter that said, those are layups that high school teams don't miss, grade school teams don't miss. I think he was mentioning his daughter's team doesn't miss. I'm telling you, they missed so many layups. It was stunning, absolutely stunning to me. Uh, Jim Laranaga's team went in the North Carolina State, made a big comeback. Arizona's confusing me. They just get whomped. They got beat by 20, uh, 19 Excuse me, at Oregon. They just go on the road, and they get crushed at different times. We mentioned the tragic news in Alabama as Darius Miles is being charged with capital murder. Now, I want you to think about this. Capital murder in in Alabama means he can be executed. I got nothing. I will say this. I'm so tired of fake tough guys. David Hookstead put out an article or put out something on Twitter today talking about this. Little clowns with guns. Now, we can blame the gun all you want. You can do that all you want, and I'm not going to get into any kind of gun debate with you. But I would argue, and I've always argued this, we have desensitized life. We think a shootout is cool. Years ago, there was an idiot named Jamal Tinsley playing for the Pacers. This clown and his fellas got into a spat at the 8-second saloon in downtown Indy and had a shootout. All the way downtown, they ran into the Capitol, or what? not Capitol Grill, the Conrad. Dudes just think shootouts are what we're supposed to do. It is a lawless society. How does some guy, and i got to tell you, I was in college athletics for 20, 30 years, whatever it was, whatever you want to say, 25 years. Never saw a guy with a gun. Now, I've been out 10. No, I've been out more than that, 15. Never saw a guy with a gun. All of a sudden now, dudes have guns. All of a sudden now, it's cool to have guns. Don't give in to the lowest common denominator, these idiots that think you should have guns. I don't even, I'm not talking about the gun itself. I'm talking about idiots. I'm telling you right now, cowards with guns is bad. Cowards uh, with an anger problem 
bad. What do they do? They shoot into a car, Ray Caruth style. Look it up for you younger guys. What a punk this group is. That's all. I, I don't care what you call me. I don't care what you say. And, and uh, good, that's a legend. But if you are gutless enough to shoot into a woman's car because I love it, why are you shooting her? Dudes, uh, we need fathers. And maybe this dude had a father. I don't care. We need fathers. I'm just rambling here because it makes me nuts. A transgender woman, Anna Japong, whatever, purchases and now owns the Miss Universe contest. She claims, welcome to the new era. Now it's going to be run by women, owned by a trans woman for all women around the world. Good. Great. But I got to tell you, I got to tell you, Miss Universe should be won by a woman, a real woman. You can't just, as my wife said, the lovely Lee Ross, stick some prosthetics on, uh, color your hair, and act like you're a woman. Now, there's a lot more to being a woman, and I got to tell you, the attack on women I, will, women, I will never stop speaking on the attack on our children and the attack on our women. My wife's interesting. She's like, you know, the patriarchy is alive and well. The attack on women is real. Whether it's in sports, content, whatever, the attack on women. We just think, apparently, in our society that we can just slap on a couple double Ds, put a, a, get our hair extended, a little bit of makeup, and say we're a woman act as a woman, be a woman, and get all the benefits of being a woman and take over being a woman. It's not that way. It's not that way for real women. Where's the Me Too movement? Where are feminists? You know, I had some crazy-ass, ridiculous liberal professor lose her mind because I said I wouldn't go swimming in a pool with her. That apparently offended her, offended a female reporter at the Star, offended all kind of reporters all across the country because apparently those women that are married like to swim in pools with guys that aren't her husband. I don't do that with my wife. But I don't hear any of these, Nancy Amore. Uh, what's that one woman's name who always is talking? I don't hear any of these women, none of them, zero zip, criticizing the attack on women. None. Where are they? Where's the Me Too movement? Hell, I, I don't know. You tell me. Uh, I don't see anybody. Hell, I didn't see the lady Mary Kay Cabot of the Cleveland Browns beat writer saying anything, anything about Deshaun Watson. But I guarantee you, if someone said she had nice shoes, she'd be mad. That's the way I went to a, I did. I literally went to a diversity training program by a company. And they told me, well, yeah, you guys, don't tell a woman she has nice shoes. I'm like, really? Why not? Uh, why, why, why not? Well, it can be skewed as offensive. That's offensive, but women taking over sports, women taking over swimming, women that, I'm sorry, not women taking over sports, trans women, women that are dudes, Taking over this stuff isn't offensive. Why? Because everybody's afraid. Everybody's afraid. I just listen to my wife. And if you guys don't want to, hey, look, that's fine. You, don't, you, know, you listen to whoever you want to listen to. And if this is some kind of phobic, you're out of your mind. I got no problem with trans people. I got none whatsoever. I got no problem with anybody. But don't tell me, do not tell me that there is not an attack on women. Do not tell me that there is Christine Brennan. She's on everything. Oh my God. Everything offends Christine Brennan, except apparently this. Everything. This doesn't offend. Oh, there'll be an article. I'm some kind of phobic. I'm not. I got no problem with any. 
just quit attacking women and quit attacking children. How about we celebrate women? How about we celebrate children? Real women. Everything gets stuffed down your throat. It's crazy. It's insane. Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC. Hey, he went after. I like, look, look, let's be honest. I like Kevin Warren. Kevin Warren bought me dinner. I like Kevin Warren. But here's what Sankey says. We need leaders today in college football and college sports and not leaders who make a stop to build a resume and then get out and go on to something else, but those who understand the problems that are real and demand our attention. Oh, good for Kevin Sankey. Actually, it's idiotic. Who is Kevin Sankey? This is where I get a little problematic with these guys, whether it's football coach, anybody in kind of a power. Who is Kevin Sankey to tell Kevin Warren what he should or should not do? with his own career. I got to tell you, being president of the Chicago Bears sounds a hell of a lot more fun than being commissioner of the Big Ten. Hey, I don't want to go to the hockey game. I don't want to go to the field hockey game. I don't want to listen to some sport AD complain about some kind of TV time for their team. I don't want to hear any of it. You know what I want to do? I want to be part of the Chicago Bears. Why? Because the Chicago Bears are moving into a beautiful new place at some point. they got to get out of anything associated with Lori Lightfoot, the idiot mayor of Chicago. And they're moving out to Arlington. And you know what? It's awesome. It is absolutely awesome. And Kevin Warren's a perfect guy for it. He built what is now a spectacular building in and around Minneapolis for the Minnesota Vikings. He was a big part of that. He was also, ladies and gentlemen, also, he is the perfect guy for the Bears because he has leadership qualities and they are moving to a big facility. He's perfect. So who the hell is Kevin Sankey to tell anybody how they should run their career? Yeah, let me ask you something, Kevin. You've been, Sankey, you have been, Greg, I mean, Greg Sankey, you have been in College athletics forever. Did you help create the problems? I mean, I hear about all these problems. And I hear about, well, uh, we want, let me quote, we want people that understand the problems that are real and demand our attention. Look, I get it. Kirby Smart worked his brains out and won a national championship, but that didn't have nothing to do with you. But all of a sudden, now you're, you're, you're the Gazda. You're the man. You tell Kevin Warren what he's supposed to do with his career, my backside. That's total crap. It's total crap. Mentioned this earlier. I mentioned this earlier with Trey Wallace, and this is so sad. Look, when you are a college coach, you don't necessarily love your play. All right, everybody talks about love and family. You know what? Now, that Monken, who was the offensive coordinator for Georgia, had it absolutely right. Yeah, this isn't a family. I know if we don't win, I get fired. But you develop relationships, and frankly, some you really like, and some you're like, eh, and some you're like, I can't stand seeing that guy every day. But you don't let anybody know it. All right? Well, I never had a player pass away. 
I did, at a summer camp, have a kid who apparently had a heart problem pass away, and his parents, for whatever the reason, were okay with it. Like, look, he was doing what he loved to do. I got to tell you, I don't know how I would feel. Now, Georgia, Georgia offensive lineman Devin Willock, I went back and looked up Devin Willock. What a nice-looking kid. Not nice-looking. He's a nice-looking kid, but what a gregarious kid. Trey Wallace talked about it. Trey Wallace talked about how when he interviewed him about places we're going to eat, what a blast it was, that kind of stuff. He just seemed like the kind of guy that worked hard, was fun to be around, and you know what? I don't know if he did what he was told, but he was pretty successful at it. Car crash, 245, tragic. To all you people that are questioning, what are you doing out? You don't know. And this is what Trey and I talked about. A couple years ago, as I said, I'm driving home. It's 2.15 in the morning. My buddy Cam Safali and I, we go to Wrigley. We go to a night game. We bring our kids. We have a great night. But we decide, you know what? They're going out. We'll go home. So we drive home. Now, it's an hour time change, so it's late. Long story short, 79th Street right out here, I see somebody this way. The road goes this way. I see somebody on a ledge this way. I go, Cam, he pulls up. I run out. I look in the car. There's a car on the railing. I look in. There's nobody there. Cam parks the car. He runs out. He goes, hey, she's down here. A lady had gone around the car to check on the car, fell into a ravine. We got her out. We called 911. We stayed there until everybody was okay. We left. I talked about this on my show. First thing somebody said, what are you doing out of 215? So I don't judge nothing. So I don't want to hear any judging. None. Zero zip. You'll find out if there was something. Maybe they're coming from a concert. Maybe she was driving. Who knows? But just stop with that crap. That drives me nuts. Because people just want to go into the worst possible scenarios when somebody's dead. Think about a family. Drives me crazy. I'm sorry. But it does. A lot of things drive me crazy today. Hey, I got some great Biden videos coming up. I do. I got some great, 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 great Biden videos. A couple of other things. Look, when you when you go around the NFL yesterday, a couple of things are interesting. One, Sam Hubbard, 99 yard return. Now, let me give you the backstory here. I know, and people always say this, well, just lean the ball over, and you'll get a touchdown from the one. Trevor Lawrence did that, and his arm looked like rubber man. All right, Tyler Huntley tried to do that, but he jumped. And next thing you know, he got swatted. The quarterback sneak, remember this, if you see it tonight, you're going to see Tom Brady quarterback sneak. The quarterback sneak is about low. Unless you're on the inch line and you just go that. You don't jump. Like, I coached eighth grade football. That was it. And I knew then, like, my son was a quarterback. I'm like, get low. If we're going to sneak, get low. Don't go up. When you go up, you get smacked. Second thing, stop with the Daniel Jones. Is he any good? I don't know. I understand we expect people to come immediately into the NFL and dominate. 
But did anybody possibly check out Daniel Jones? Anybody? I don't know about you, but Daniel Jones looked like a freaking stud yesterday. He's always looked like a stud. He's always been a guy where you go, damn. You see that guy? Big and strong and angular. 31-24. The Giants end up beating the Vikings. Two things came out of it. What a fraud everybody says the Vikings are. Hey, you do you, do you man. Everybody's a fraud. Everybody doesn't win is a fraud. They won 13 games. I know the point differential was a negative, but that's not, ladies and gentlemen, that is not a fraud winning 13 games. The other is can Daniel Jones play? A lot of Brian Dayball and should be taught. But Daniel Jones went 24 of 35 for over 300 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Now, here's the problem with Daniel Jones. It's on the wrong side of the media. So if Daniel Jones has a mediocre slash bad game, uh, guess what? People are going to be all over him. All right, let me stay with quarterbacks. Here's something you want to pay attention to. For years, I've heard how great Trevor Lawrence is. And I'm going back to when he replaced that one guy, who was it, uh, Bryant, I think it was, at Clemson. And they end up winning a national championship. I believed in Trevor Lawrence when he outran Ohio State's defensive backs to score a touchdown. But I then wavered. Last week, he was throwing pop-ups. I don't know what he was last week. Start of this game, not one, not two, but three, but four. Four interceptions in the first half. Now, I want to give you just a little bit of why I am officially in on the Daniel Jones train. All the little talking heads talk about confidence. Oh, my God, confidence. Oh, my God. Can you imagine in a playoff game at home, you've thrown four interceptions, you're down 27 points, and you got to go in that huddle and try to convince guys that you are the guy. Come on, guy. Hey, uh, Daniel or uh, Trevor, I'm going to tell you something. You throw one more pick, I'm going to beat the hell out of you. I- I'm just telling you. Now, I know you're a franchise. And I would do it just like this. I'd do it like eating my nails and flipping things. I, I know you're the franchise. But you do. You throw one more interception, I'm going to beat you right here on the field. That would be what my take when I, if I was a guard or a center. I'd be like, that's what we're going to do. Now, you do whatever you want to do. Well, Daniel Jones' confidence should have been shaken. Guess what? It wasn't. Now, now, there's a difference between relaxing when you're getting your brains beat out and being real. When you're getting your brains beat out, everybody can kind of play. Everybody plays. But I got to tell you, this game went back and forth. And Daniel, or excuse me, Trevor Lawrence, this wasn't a function of him being good when his team is getting crushed. You'll see it all the time. Guy will come in a game, team's down 10, two minutes ago, he gets four points. Everybody says he should be playing. It's easy to play when you're getting your brain speed out. So all Lawrence did in the first half, throw four picks. In the second half, throw four touchdowns. I got to tell you, it was incredibly impressive. That, to me, sold me on Trevor Lawrence forever. The other thing, if you go back to the Urban Meyer era, I told you drafting Travis Etienne was a genius move. Now, he had to sit out last year because, well, he had an injury. You know what he did yesterday, ladies and gentlemen? Oh, 109 yards. Really? Okay. 
109 yards rushing. Another catch for another 12. You know, actually, the Panther, or excuse me, the Jaguars were panned. I mean, crushed for what they did. They were crushed for bringing in high-priced Christian Kirk and others. Yeah, how'd that look? See, here in Indianapolis, we try to, quote, grow our own. That doesn't mean a wide receiver. That means a, I don't know, uh, a linebacker who gets hurt all the time, a guard who gave up five sacks this year. Yeah, we grow our own in positions that don't matter. Jacksonville, well, because we're beholden to Bill Polian's 1980-90 structure. Uh, Jacksonville, not so much. No, not so much. Jacksonville decided we're going to go get some weapons to help our young quarterback, and next thing you know, they've won a playoff game and a division. Shout out to my friend Teddy Karras Jr. and his son, Teddy Karras Jr. Jr. Here's why the shout out. Did you guys watch Cincinnati game last night? Look at the center. The center for the Cincinnati Bengals is a man named Teddy Karras Jr. Jr. Now, you got to understand something. The offensive line is decimated. Left tackle down. New left tackle comes in and he's a mess. So I started watching Teddy Karras Jr. Jr. Ah, we don't call him the third. We call him Junior Junior. He was sitting in my pool. We were drinking beers, me, him, and his dad, and a couple of friends a couple summers ago, and we decreed it is not the third. It is Junior Junior. He's a captain. So what happens? Offensive line goes down. I'm watching Junior Junior. Here's what he decides to do. He goes and tries to pick up the left tackle who's struggling. He runs on every play and goes and gets his quarterback. He's getting in fights with the other team. He's doing the thing that a captain is supposed to do. He's doing the things a captain does when he's an actual captain, not a figurehead that somebody voted on. He is all, wait, we're in crisis. We only have two starters on the offensive line. He's one. I'm telling you, it was massive yesterday. Absolutely massive what Junior Junior did in terms of leading when his team needed him most. Look, Sam Hubbard, great run back. The linebacker, Wilson, bats, uh, bats uh, Tyler Hundley. All great. No question. Game play in a game. Change the entire game. Possible 14-point swing. No doubt. But when they had to have their captain, and this is the stuff I love watching in sports, Teddy Karras Jr. Jr. showed up big time. I couldn't stop watching him. There are some guys that I can't stop watching because how ridiculous they are, how they don't really try, how they're overrated. I'm thinking back to my Indiana days, A.J. Guyton and Luke Recker playing at Indiana. There are other guys that I can't stop watching because how tough they are. Jonathan Taylor's one for the Colts. I can't stop watching him. He'll block, he'll go out, he'll do all those things. But I've never had a center that I watched with what I would call my coaching eye. It was awesome. Junior, junior, as we say in Northwest Indiana, you the man. You the man. All right, when we come back, I got more NFL with the great Jonathan Hutton. We're going to talk to Hutton. Stock up, stock down involves a lot of NFL, including my now least favorite coach, my now least favorite player, and my least favorite announcer. 
That's all going to be in our stock up, stock down. Be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Men want to be him and women want to be with him. It is, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Jonathan. Hutton from Outkick 360. All right, let me go. Hey, I thought something. you were about to confuse you for Withrow again. No, I know it's what I do. It's it's you know what? As people that are longtime viewers go, if you go a day with getting names right, it's a magical day. Hey, I'm hey. talking Trevor Lawrence. I love the fact that Trevor Lawrence was absolute crapola for a half, and then became I don't know Joe Montana. It's pretty good. Well, what he became really is a leader of the AFC South. <laughs> you know, like it, you point to right. the, the, the top quarterbacks in the division, and he is going down the Ryan Tannehill path and much worse, Dan, with what we saw Ryan Tannehill do last year against Cincinnati in the opening round. And the first quarter, he's throwing three picks. They turn it over a total of five times. And then he has three touchdown passes in the second half. He leads them down to three straight scores. And then they get the win Have after getting the two-point conversion. News? It was this a fantastic performance by, by Trevor Lawrence, given the fact of the first half and given the fact that he had every reason to fold the tent. And instead, he continued to lead. He was leading on the sideline even during all of that poor play. Uh, none of it, uh, excuse, not all of it was his fault, but many of it, much of it was. Uh, and he still had the command of the huddle and of the sideline. That that was impressive, and that's one of the reasons why they pulled the comeback. All right. Um, when you look at what they are, I'm going to stay with the Jags just for a minute. You know, they make this monster comeback, but I got to tell you, Brandon Staley's my least favorite coach. Joey Bosa acts like an idiot, and Brandon Staley's over there picking up his helmet. I want to smack him. And so what does Joey Bosa do? He throws his helmet again. Joey Bosa cost them big time in that game. And Brandon Staley and Mike McDaniel, bah. Right there with you. Doug Peterson needs to make sure that Joey Bosa gets a playoff game check this week. Uh, gets right. paid doubled uh, because he helped them win. And uh, I, one of the reasons why I picked Jacksonville, I, I was apprehensive to do so. Um, Justin Herbert... They, you know, I know that Jacksonville beat them earlier in the season. And I, I did pick Jacksonville on the show last week, but it was more just based on the fact I thought it was going to be a tight game, a field goal game, nothing like this. But it was also because of the head coaching matchup. I think Doug Peterson is far superior to Brandon Staley. And uh, with all of the pressure, two coaches go into this weekend with the pressure. M Mike McCarthy and then Staley, because we don't know what Sean Payton wants. If Sean Payton wants the Chargers, like the reports are out there, Brandon Staley is on his way out, and maybe you could argue he would be unless they made a playoff run, and, and Payton decided to either stay out of coaching or get in somewhere else. But, Dan, this is uh, par for the course with Staley. The, the Chargering is a 
is a phrase in the dictionary now <laughs> because they find they find different ways to lose. Um, and most of the time it's on the sideline because they're gambling. Now, I, I understand they've got to go for fourth downs quite a bit in order to keep up when they had the younger team in order to keep up with Kansas City. And you could see them really starting to come along. But to be up 24 points and to give up that lead, the third largest uh, come, come from behind win in playoff history is owned by the Jacksonville Jaguars now. That is a lot on coaching. That's a lot on just finding some semblance of points. And look, they, had, they were given gifted five turnovers. The Chargers had 20 points, just 20 points off those five turnovers. They had the ball on the Jags' six-yard line right before half, could only gain one yard, and mustered only a field goal. Jacksonville scores, and then we know the, the rest in the second half. Staley, if he's not on the hot seat, this is a Cliff Kingsbury-like feel to the offseason. Not in terms of controversy between he and his quarterback, but, but with the playoff or pink slip feel because Staley's got to get results. They're in Los Angeles. The Rams just won the Super Bowl, and the Rams figure to not be very good because they're either aging out, they're injured, or they don't have depth or, and draft picks in order to supplant those that they need replacing. So the Chargers, this should be their open window, and instead they just had one game of a playoff experience in Jacksonville they'd like to soon forget. You know, one of the things um, when, when I look at Let's, let, let's move – well, let back up. One of the things that I look at is, man, you're the Chargers. You get a home game, eight and nine or whatever they were, but you're the you're, – I'm sorry, you're the Jaguars. You get a home game. You're the Chargers. You're 10 and seven. Look, you know you got to go on the road. You're never going to have a better opportunity than playing against the Jaguars, and they blanked it away. Speaking of blanking it away uh, – Tyler Huntley goes up in the air, swatted back. Hubbard goes. What did you think of that? What did you think of that game? Incredible play. Incredible play there in a swing game. You know, th that's one of those plays that feels like uh, a, team of, a team of destiny is, is overused. That's a type of play, though, Dan, that the Rams would have made on the road last year. The Bengals made it at home. Right. But, you know, the... the, the, the the, the Rams won three games on their path to the Super Bowl by three points. And a divisional opponent against that Ravens defense is not easy to go against for a third time. We saw that last night for Cincy. But that was a Ravens-like defensive play on a goal line stand where they get the ball and not only get the ball back, but go get the score. And I don't blame J.K. Dobbins one bit for complaining about not getting the football enough. 13 carries in this game. We have Tyler Huntley who comes in with a shoulder issue and a wrist problem where they were going to play two players. And Huntley did everything he could as a backup quarterback. Um, and I, I don't even put that on him. He's, in that situation, you're reaching the ball across. And I think they were thinking, well, the odds are in our favor if we reach the ball across more so than turning around, trying to hand off and either bobbling the snap, the exchange, or something else going awry. Who knows? I, I think a lot of times the goal line is, is overthinking it. Um, and nowadays, the running back is an, an afterthought. They're doing nothing more than pushing the quarterback from behind, trying to drive him through. And this was just one of those classic defensive efforts that will go down as a turning point playoff moment that could 
bolster Cincinnati to the Super Bowl. This was, uh, on the highlight reel, this is play number one so far of the playoffs. What did you think of Daniel Jones? Loved, I loved it. I mean, he, he has quietly been all season the most surprising quarterback. You can point to Hurts and having the prove-it year, uh, Tua, prove-it year, and then there was also Daniel Jones. See also Daniel Jones in New York because they didn't pick up his fifth-year <laughs> option. And you're assuming, okay, he's on his way out, new regime, new head coach. Here's a guy who turns it over quite a bit. He turned the ball over his rookie season 55 times combined. And then they really throttled back with their overall offensive system because they did not want him to put it in harm's way. So for the last two years, he has been doing very conservative quarterback play in New York. Enter Brian Dayball. Brian Dayball came in, gave him a very either vanilla or reportedly awful play sheet and play calls during the offseason on purpose to see how he would handle bad moments and tough situations where he was set up to fail. And he did overwhelmingly well in those situations and gained the trust of his coaching staff. They told him to let it rip. I thought that was a disastrous uh, mantra in New York. Turns out um, he has more confidence. He's running the football, what, 17 times, which is a franchise record yesterday. Um, it, it was really good on the ground, but also just, you know, he's in rhythm. Um, and he's doing it with, for a team that won four games a year ago and a team that, by and large, I don't think the average fan can name five players from. So uh, it's, it is a remarkable turnaround in New York. I think it ends this upcoming weekend because I think the cream of the crop is with the Eagles and the 49ers, Dan. But this is a great story, and both he and Saquon Barkley deserve to return to New York, and I would have never said that when we kicked off the season. Yeah, and I hope they do. I'm a big Saquon Barkley fan. Ever since I saw him interviewed, he crushed Iowa on a Saturday night um, for Penn State, and I heard him interviewed after him like, wow, uh, this dude is awesome. Speaking of the 49ers, big boy, they're down yep. at halftime. I swear to God, if you went and got a Diet Coke, or in my case, I always drink Diet A&W root beer. I love it. I can't stop drinking it. I swear to God, you came back, and they were up 25. It was unbelievable how quick all that happened. Their defense is leading the charge. But they have Brock Purdy, who they have not had to change the offense for. You know, he's leading touchdown drives of 70 yards or longer three times after halftime. They have a mix of playmaking and speed on offense and a confidence level in Purdy to where if they turn it over, they're going to have a defense that will at worst, at worst, allow a field goal opportunity. So I think that's number one. That's why they can trust him. But also, they've packed talent around the quarterback's spot there with Debo Samuel, trading for McCaffrey, uh, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle. I mean, there, there are so many other pieces to this puzzle, and Purdy's going to end up being one of those phenomenal stories of the 2022-23 of the season because I think you bring him back. They've already made the determination and a good one that if Garoppolo's healthy enough to play, they're not going back to him, nor should they. And he's got a – there's an air – there's a Joe Burrow-like feel to him, Dan – where you see him celebrating or 
a post game doing a quick interview for a TikTok or for Instagram. And I, I think the players gravitate to that. And for him to emerge the way he has with Kyle Shanahan, he is in an amazing position. And I think the story of Purdy can change the way owners, specifically owners, um, approach how they want to attack the quarterback position in the draft. Because how many awful quarterbacks are sitting around getting paid, doing nothing but throwing picks in practice? And then you have Mr. Irrelevant throwing touchdowns in the wild card weekend round against the Seattle Seahawks after trailing at halftime. Um, it's going to be a head scratcher across the league going, how did this guy slip here? And why aren't we that team finding the diamond in the rough? It's early, but man, there's some great quarterback storylines, some first time winners with Lawrence Purdy and Daniel Jones this weekend. Hey, I got to tell you, from where I was sitting, Skylar Thompson looked better than anybody the Colts put out there uh, this year for about $35 million or $184 million since 2008. And if he could find a coach that could get a damn play in on time, maybe they would have won that football game. Yeah, Mike McDaniel said there was down confusion. And, I, it, you know, that there's a possibility for that. Uh, yeah. Not then and not there. Not then and not there, right? You've got to... It, 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 even if it is, you can't say that. Um, and I, I, I appreciate the honesty, but this is a game that if Miami just doesn't turn the football back over and they don't have those stupid errors, they pull off an upset and send Buffalo fans into a frenzy in what is a Super Bowl or bust year. I mean, Buffalo season really started yesterday. The, everyone wanted to hit the fast-forward button and just start in January for this team. The odds-on favorite. Now they're America's team with everything that's happened with DeMar Hamlin and his recovery. So um, Buffalo hangs on. A win, and no matter how you get it in the playoffs, is remembered as a win. But Miami nearly pulled off the unthinkable with Skylar Thompson at quarterback. And it sounds like the reports are they're going to go back to Tua next season, which is also really intriguing with the – concussion history he's already had this year. A lot going on um, with the offensive coordinator's job in Tennessee. Yes, and they have requested to speak with Eric Bieniemy, longtime offensive coordinator in Kansas City, and with Matt Nagy, who is a part of the staff now as an assistant in Kansas City. The thought was last offseason that and it took a couple extra weeks for Bienemy and Andy Reid, mainly Andy Reid, to let everyone know that Bienemy was coming back because he took, what, one or two head coaching interviews, and then you didn't hear, because his contract was up, what they were going to do with the play calling, not the play calling, but the offensive coordinator spot in KC. They bring him back. Matt Nagy's there, former head coach of the Bears, back with Andy Reid, and it, it at that time, it felt like after this year, the enemy is going to go for another opportunity and then they could part ways. Nagy would step in, the enemy would take a head coaching job hypothetically and move on. Now, I think Vrabel, the Titans, Vrabel controls his staff, put a call into Andy Reid, who he knows well, and an organization that he played for, and he knows that one of the two guys is probably not going to be allowed to interview and the other one will. And whichever one they get to chat with brings a solid resume 
from an offense that they would like to emulate. They want, they, there is a mandate from Vrabel to add more speed. They are one of the slowest offenses in the NFL, if not the slowest. And, well, Kansas City's a great offense to, uh, to try to emulate. Easier said than done because they have Patrick Mahomes and they don't have to run the football. There are things that any new OC, Dan, is going to have to pick up on and adapt to. Tim Kelly is currently the passing game coordinator here in Nashville, came from Houston and worked with Vrabel briefly with his time there. And Vrabel tried to interview him whenever they actually hired Todd Downing. He's also a candidate that many think will get the job. But getting either Bienemy or Nagy makes a ton of sense as well because both of those guys are head coach hunting and they want to be the next Matt LaFleur or Arthur Smith and not the next Todd Downing. Hey, um, before I let you go, what's going to happen tonight? We got 12 and 5 against 8 and 9. The way the NFL set up, 8 and 9 gets the home game. Tom Brady, a lot of, lot of ramifications in this game for the loser, are there not? Tons. Well, I mean, let's. Uh, so we mentioned Mike McCarthy. I think with a loss, he's Always. out. Yep. Always. Um, it, it, Jerry, Jerry Jones has been more patient than what people give him credit for with coaches recently. Not now. I mean, it, you're chasing that Super Bowl. There are 10 players that were born the last time the Cowboys won a playoff game. So, I mean, it's, it's been a long while since they had that run. And it, the Cowboys come in as the five. They are able to overcome their turnovers with their own takeaways. Dak Prescott, though, this is one of those put-up-or-shut-up moments for him. Of all the quarterbacks right now in the postseason, where do you stack Dak Prescott? He needs a win to even be mentioned into that same tier uh, whenever we compare the top quarterbacks in this, in this league. He's, he's not there. He's not only in that second shelf. He's just a very good quarterback that spins it well, but not well enough because he throws all these picks. He has the highest interception rate of any quarterback in the NFL, throws a pick every 24 pass attempts. That's not going to win you a Super Bowl. That's not going to, in many cases, win you a playoff game, Dan. And uh, on the flip side, Tom Brady has the, well, he's statistically, he's having a ton of uh, passing yards and pass attempts, and that's about it. The passer rating is at an all-time low. Team is healthier. He has a better report now with Mike Evans. And the thought is Brady in the playoffs is something you can't overcome. But Dallas has 33 takeaways on, on defense this season. So they, they are certainly capable of having one of the bigger point differentials in the, in the uh, playoffs this weekend. The, this game is going if, – if, if Tampa is close in the fourth quarter, Dan, this game is an ugly game to watch. You know, there's a – the water's a, a bit muddy. Um, you feel dirty after watching it. If, it's, if it goes the Cowboys' way, I don't see how the Cowboys win without it being a double-digit spread in the fourth quarter. I think it's one of two. If it, it, Bucks win, it's going to be extremely close. And if the Cowboys come out firing on all cylinders, I don't think the Bucks can catch up. I agree. I mean, I, I, I don't disagree with that. Like e e even a little bit, not even, not even sort of. Hey, um, last, last, last thing before I let you go. You surprised here in Indy that we uh, still have Chris Ballard, and a report came out that Jeff Saturday 
is still maybe the front runner for the job here? Yes and no. I mean, I wanted to stand on a rooftop and shout that Saturday was going to be in the organization whenever he was brought in. He's brought in, you know, to give information, at minimum, to give information to Ursay. Um, and if he's signing off on Chris Ballard, I don't know why you're, if you're listening to Saturday in that regard, and you're Jim Ursay, and I'm speaking on behalf of Jim Ursay, which is very difficult to do. Um, I don't know why he wouldn't already trust Jeff Saturday to move forward as the guy. It, it's a dumb idea, um, but it doesn't surprise me because it's Jim Ursay. And right. why wouldn't you clean? Why, you know, if you're getting rid of uh, Ballard, I don't know why you're sitting around waiting on that and not doing it at, at the very latest last Monday, a week ago today, while you get that search going. I, it's, uh, it's not good. And there's not much hope there because right now there's too many questions. It's a lot here. We, a lot of questions have to be answered, and at least in Nashville. They're making some changes on personnel through their front office uh, in order to give the fans some semblance of, hey, we're, we're switching things up because what we're doing is not working. If you were, if you were the Colts, all right, and you could draft, you know, it falls to you. You know, you can draft any of these quarterbacks. We're waiting on C.J. Stroud. I guess he's going to announce today. Who would you draft if you had to have a quarterback in this draft? Before we get all the propaganda, just what you have seen, Jonathan. Bryce Young. Bryce Young's my guy right now. Me too. Uh, yeah, I just, I've seen enough of the, the quality of opponent that he has faced on a week-in, week-out basis. Even in Alabama's losses, he plays well. There are times where I think C.J. Stroud disappeared for Ohio State. And he did not do that in the, in the semifinal, though, against Georgia. I want to give him full accolades nope. for that. I, he, I, I, I learned a lot about C.J. Stroud and his resilience, too. So I like him, don't love him. I, I kind of feel the same way, though, about Bryce Young. I wouldn't give up the farm and trade up to get him. Um, I'm certainly not in love with Will Levis. You know that. Traits, traits, traits is all you hear about Will Levis. I, I would love to point to the production at Kentucky and say, when did he step up and just take over a game without the run game going well and without that Kentucky defense playing well? I, I never saw it in a big matchup. Will Levis didn't lead the charge the same way the other two did. Uh, maybe he can, but... To me, he's not a franchise changer in the same way the other two could be whenever we start the season next year. I think all three guys are, you know, well, two of the three are a level above where Kenny Pickett would be for me right now if he was in, in this draft. But Levis, to me, is, is beneath Pickett in my pecking order for quarterbacks that I think are legitimate franchise starters. Well... The reason I said before all the propaganda, because I see it coming yeah. with Will Levis. I've already seen him, you know, yeah. throwing pass. Oh, look at that. I see all the propaganda with that guy. Well, the, he's, the, he's the scout's delight. You know, they look for all these measurables. And from, yeah. you know, from what, mid-October? Was it early October that Kuiper had him as the number one overall prospect on his board? 
Well, that, that's immediately going to stick in the minds of the media that are about to swarm into draft coverage after the Super Bowl. And by and large, our biggest fault as a group is it's all group think. So, oh, I remember a headline where Kuyper said this guy's better than anyone. So he's got to be. And by and large, I think uh, many of the me media members probably have watched Will Levis play two full football games over the last two years. Um, and they're just pointing to what they read instead of what they see or what they research or the time they put in behind it. I'm no expert either, but in watching the Southeastern Conference, you have great quarterbacks, you have average quarterbacks, and then really awful ones. And Will Levis was average given the status compared to what the expectations are and where these guys in the draft feel he is. I didn't see a top 10 pick playing for Kentucky at quarterback. I didn't either. And I, I watched enough Kentucky to know, um, you know, I, I watched enough to know that, no, no. I, I mean, look, I get, you know, he reminds me a little bit of Jacob Eason. Everybody loved the guy, Jacob Eason. He's number one quarterback in high school. He comes out. He can't beat out Jake Fromm. He goes to Washington, puts up some numbers. You draft him. He's in camp, but he can't play. That's what he reminds well, I mean, me of. That I mean, he, he left Penn State for Kentucky. He left James Franklin for Kentucky. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And yeah. 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 And, and I didn't hear the same, oh, my God. Penn State lost Will Le They did what? He's going where? I never heard that. Now, he was good. He, uh, he, he's not a bad quarterback. Uh, I, I just, I'm, I'm viewing him through the lens of draft investment, draft capital, and where you slot the elite players. Quarterbacks are always leveled up because of the position. I get it. But I'm not trading up for him, and I'm certainly, in this discussion, I'm not ranking him ahead of the other two. I'm not either. Hey, uh, what do you got today? What's on the show? You. We got uh, Dockage coming on, who will be pissed off for greatness, just like Chad and I. We start at 3 o'clock Eastern, 2 Central, right here across the Outkick Network. And uh, co-host of Good Morning Football, Jason McCourty, will also be on with us. That will be in hour number two. And uh, J-Mac was on the radio call for Jacksonville and Los Angeles down in Florida this weekend. And he's fresh off of the show this morning for the NFL Network. So looking forward to catching up with him. He was, uh, he was a really cool guy, good friend of mine now, and um, covered him for 11 seasons. So... Can't wait to chat with him again. Uh, that means I can't drink at lunch. Okay. No, you can. All right. Huh? I'm a, we're about well, to as well. You know, I, I, I respect the show, but, you know, I'm the king of lunch now that I don't have an afternoon show. I am literally – I hey, a friend of mine just sent me a text. I forgot. Are we lunching today? Sure. I'm lunching today. There you go. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Dan, always appreciate you, man. We'll chat soon. Oh, that's the great Jonathan Hutton. Now, here's what you need to do. You need to check out Outkick 360 every day right here on the Outkick Network because, well, frankly, it is growing exponentially. I got There's some haters on the YouTube chat, you know, and good for you, man. Eastside Marshals, you want to hate? Hate. I love the haters. We embrace the haters, but this show is growing like no other. All right. Uh, when we come back, Draymond Green spoke about his relationship after he punked 
Jordan Poole with a cheap shot. Draymond Green keeps talking, and I'll keep telling you he's an idiot. And I will also keep telling you that I don't want to hear anything from Steve Kerr because apparently Steve Kerr, based on the punishment that wasn't levied against Draymond Green, appreciates workplace violence. I also have my stock up, stop, stock down. That includes LeBron James. Are you kidding me? And Biden was speaking, which means Biden was lying which means Biden is going to be shown as a liar on our show coming up this half hour. Stay right here and tell your friends. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Look, in NBA basketball, there's nobody as fraudulent as Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr makes all these proclamations, but when it came time for Steve Kerr and his little minions at the Golden State Warriors to discipline one of their own, Draymond Green, for a sucker punch that knocked out one of their own, Jordan Poole in practice or training camp to start the season, guess what happened? Steve Kerr did what guys with big liberal mouths do. He punked out at a time when it was necessary. Of course, Draymond Green, who has been entitled by every member of the media, and I like Draymond Green when he was at Michigan State. He was kind of the go-to guy, but Draymond Green has become an idiot, a moron. And here is Draymond Green speaking about his now relationship with a teammate that he sucker punched. With the information that we have presented to us from what we saw in the video, do you think that you all have been able to be in the space to move forward? Do you think that you have shown to Jordan, based on what we have seen, that you are sorry, that you want to move forward, that it can be put behind you? Uh, <clears throat> we go to work every day together. Our lockers are right next to each other. That never changed. We ride the same buses together. We change in the same locker room on the road together. We, none of that has changed. Did it change our relationship? Of course, absolutely. That's still a work in progress. I'll always be willing to continue to do that work because I was wrong. Mm -hmm. And so in saying all of that, yes, like definitely allowed to move forward. And we have moved forward. And it's been just fine. But is it different? 100%. And not that I expected it to be the same, right? Like, if I had to say back then, like, oh, I think this would go like this, or I think it would go like that. I can't say it's went very different or it's been very far off from the way I thought it would go. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's been pretty close to the way that I thought it would go. But as far as like us moving forward, 
We've definitely moved forward. And and I see improvements day by day, week by week, month by month. I see improvements. That's good. And that's all you can ask for. You know, um, I don't expect him to come out and be like, man, I want to come hang with you off the court. And like, mm -hmm. I don't expect that. Like, I'm not, I'm not a fool. Like, I grew up in Saginaw, Michigan. I've been in fights before. Like, I've been in situations before. I know how you come out of those situations. Like, it's not what I expected. Mm -hmm. So, in saying that, it's kind of what I expected it to be. But it's a constant work in progress because it's very important to the makeup of our team, to the success of our team. Mm -hmm. And so I continue to do the work. There you go. Well, you do the work. I love Taylor Rooks. I've known Taylor Rooks since she was in college, and she did a great job asking a question and shutting up, which is not what. But I, every time I hear Draymond Green talk, I just laugh. I'm sorry. You know, call me whatever you want to call me. I just laugh. I just think he's funny. I just I don't think there's any substance to anything he says. I think he's trying there to be pensive. I don't. You can't. Well, I got guys on the YouTube chat. Well, he said he was wrong. If you see, look, I don't listen to words. I don't. I listen and watch body language, eyes, and what a blank show that just was. Now, you all can believe it, but 27 years of coaching, anybody, I used to be the guy that, oh, I still am actually in some cases, that people would call, big-time coaches would call and say, Dan, I got this problem, what do you think? The biggest of time coaches used to call me. Now, they're mostly retired now. Hey, Dan, I heard you're the guy. I'm like the fixer. But if you believe that crap and all this, like he's some philosopher now, okay. Look, Draymond Green sucker punched his teammate. His team showed its backside by having no guts. And Draymond Green, uh, I don't want to hear a word from him. I'm sorry, you do. And we played it, so I must want to hear a little bit, I guess. But I think every time he speaks, I hear what I used to tell my kids when their mother spoke. What do you hear when you hear mommy talk? Blah, 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 blah. I am with you on Scott Hines. Uh, Sean Baxter says, do you guys think DD actually likes sports or just likes complaining about sports? Interesting, Sean, you're a racist. <laughs> That's my new line for everybody. I don't know if Sean's white or black. I'm just saying he's a racist. Everybody that criticizes me, I'm just saying you're racist. <laughs> That's all we hear. You're racist. Yeah, I'm, I'm you know, you're racist. He's racist for even questioning me. Yeah, Eastside Marshall's your racist. That's all you ever hear. Like, when we criticized uh, Buddha Judge for just being horrible at his job, oh, man, you're homophobic. Oh, okay. I already heard it today. I gave you the numbers. Eight to ten years is what an NFL referee's experience is to get to the NFL. It used to be 20 to 25 years. Over half the staff, ha uh, excuse me, 52% of NFL referees have less than 10 years' experience. Five years or less, 37%. Now, understand, when you're watching an NFL game, and if you ever are down, it's a fast game. You better have some experience. You better have somebody that can figure it out on the fly. But the NFL said, we want younger. 
We don't want you old guys. We want younger. And the union is strong. And this is why NFL officiating stinks. I got called racist already for that take. So I'm just calling everybody racist. If you argue with me, yep, J.A. Gritty. Uh, I'm racist because I did not like your singing Priller. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it, Sean Baxter. What do you want me to tell you? Racist. You might be white. (laughs) I don't know. Who the hell knows? All right, ladies and gentlemen, stock down. This is, well, I've never seen this. I've never seen a, quote, great player cost them the game in the playoffs. Everybody tells me Joey Bosa is a great player, and I guess he is. I guess if you look at the numbers and the defensive attention, he's an ambient player. Joey Bosa is a great player, but I got to tell you, here's what great players do. Great players win playoff games for their team. Great players make the plays that help their team win. They don't throw a little hissy fit like a little child, throw your helmet and get a penalty and not be on the field when your team loses the game. Now, I don't give a damn how, well, Joey Bosa's a great, no, he's not. Now, Joey Bosa is about, well, he got frustrated. Well, he's a child. I'm a grown man, I always hear NFL players, college players. I'm a grown man. Really? Okay. Joey Bosa, not a grown man. Joey Bosa, a child. It's just like that Quay Walker. You take Joey Bosa's video and that Quay Walker running up the stairs going, oh, my God. You have two children. One was a complete idiot in Walker pushing a medical personnel. The other is a complete idiot costing his team the game. And don't at me, people. Joey Bosa, complete idiot. But I got to tell you, he did not look the worst in that scenario. The modern NFL and college coach and high school coach doesn't really coach. The modern guy smooches backside. The modern guy has to kiss the backside of the player no matter how stupid the player. That leads me to Brendan Staley. Brendan Staley is chicken blank, which makes him the perfect NFL coach. We don't want to work, the Colts said last year. We're not doing OTAs. We're we're going to Topgolf. Yeah, how's that worked out? The Colts are the leader in soft PR-based organizations. The Miami Dolphins, number two. This guy, Staley, number three. So what does this clown show do? Joey Bosa throws his helmet, so this clown picks up his helmet and hands it to him. Hands it to him. Gives it to him. So what does Joey Bosa do? Fires it again. I've told you for years. With players, kindness is weakness. The little dipstick, Brendan Staley, if he were working for me, would have been fired in the locker room after the game. Now, You may not like that. You may not understand that. But he would have been fired in the locker room after the game. I can tolerate losing. I cannot tolerate a soft culture. Uh, Chris Ballard would have been fired three years ago with the Colts because Chris Ballard believes in PR. I don't want PR. I want wins. 
if I'm a coach, if I'm a player, as a broadcaster. I simply want wins. Speaking of wins, Mike McDaniel is the woke, oh my God, is he cool. He quotes Nietzsche. He's biracial. He wears Scooby-Doo shirts, tight jeans. Look at Mike McDaniel, the new type coach at an NFL practice. Mike McDaniel stinks, and he cost his team. Couldn't get plays in. I don't care about Mike McDaniel thinking it was first down or not knowing the down or being told. I don't care. Uh, Dan Orlovsky tried today on whatever Greenberg show is called to say, well, you know, because Dan Orlovsky is the same little millennial tight jeans wearing guy that will defend the new generation of little soft coach. Rex Ryan just completely shut him down. Oh, stop. Stop. Blah, 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 blah. You're an idiot. Now, it wasn't even close. Rex Ryan has been in that situation as a coach. This is why every single show should have on it a coach. This is why game day isn't interesting anymore. College game day. Because they don't have a coach on the set. Yes, I know they try to tell us Herb Street was a coach's son. Who cares? Not a coach. That's why you can't have coaches that are beholden to other coaches. That's what made me so incredibly popular with the people at ESPN that worked there because I wasn't going back into coaching. I wasn't. So I didn't have any problem criticizing. Look at Mike McDaniel. Oh, my God, he's so intense. Look at those glasses. They're so cool. He's got skinny jeans on. Uh, Mike McDaniel sucks. And I'm telling you right now, soft coaches' teams get worse at the end of the year. Don't at me about it. Tony Romo. These are stock down, so yes, there will be complaining. Tony Romo. All right? Tony Romo is no longer any good to listen to. And I'm not the one, only one saying it. There's a man that you don't know who this is. His name is Barry Sachs. Nobody understands broadcasting better than Barry Sachs. He was one of the original dudes at ESPN. Uh, Barry Sachs said this. Barry Sachs said, hey, look, Tony Romo was great until he got paid. He was new. He was innovative. He told you what was going to happen. Now all Tony Romo does is show up unprepared and talk. He was so bad during the fight, I had to turn him down. There was a little fight in the game. He did. It was horrible. Tony Romo no longer is insightful. Tony Romo just speaks. I would argue that Tony Romo doesn't know the rules. I would argue that Tony Romo may not even know the players. You never pay people when you don't need to pay people. The Colts paid a guard. The Colts played a linebacker. The Colts guard, four sacks he had given up the four previous years this year, five. You get paid, you get soft. The linebacker complains, Darius, Shaq, whatever the hell his name is, Leonard, that, well, I'm sad. I didn't know if I loved football. Yeah, you got paid a hell of a lot. And then he made up a story about Chipotle, or if he didn't make it up, at least nothing ever happened to it, where he faced racism. Don't pay people like Tony Romo when you don't have to. I'm just telling you, don't do it. Pay me because you might have to. But don't pay Tony Romo. Tony Romo is awful, awful, unlistenable. Uh, Troy Aikman has surpassed him today, tomorrow, and the next day. It ain't even close. 
But the truth of the matter is you'll never hear that said because for whatever the reason, everybody, um, I don't know, everybody likes Tony Romo. Oh, he's so nice. Oh, he's so cute. Oh, he's so witty. No, he's off. Just telling you, stock down. Governor Hockle. Like anywhere you walk around, we have given in to idiots, okay? In Indiana, weed isn't legal. But we have given in to idiots. Everywhere you go in Indiana, you smell weed. Go downtown Chicago, all you smell is weed. There are studies, of course, that tell you weed is not good for you, but you cannot because you would be on the wrong side of the media and the, quote, cool kids. Uh, You cannot tell people that the media, or excuse me, that weed is ridiculous. We, uh, just in New York, this lady, this idiot, how many times do I say idiot? Drinking game, new drinking game. Uh, This fool is now cracking down on cigarette smokers. Yeah, she is. Let's see a little text. Let's see some tweets out of this idiot, or this whole thing. Oh, I thought we had a tweet uh, from our friend Emma Joe in, uh, uh, in New York. We love Emma Joe. There it is. Governor Hockle targets cigarette smokers after legalizing pots. Now, fools are going to tell you, a pot don't hurt you, man. Yeah, okay. Pot don't hurt you, man. It don't hurt you. Shut up. I'll smack you upside the head. Of course it does. But we give in to everybody. Uh, if, if idiots in the media decided, hey, look, uh, drunk driving is okay. If the right groups came out and said drunk driving is okay, guess what? At some point, drunk driving would be okay. If the LGTQB, whatever the hell it is, community came out and said drunk driving is okay. Every single pencil-necked little media guy would say drunk driving is okay. That's what happened here with weed. So now this clown is going after cigarette smoke. And all anybody wants to do is just cater. Weed's awful for you. Make no mistake. Now, I will argue this, and I've always argued this. Uh, Weed, you've never seen a weed-induced brawl where you've seen a drunken brawl. So I'll give you that, weed smokers. But just stop with the crap. Just stop with it. Stock up, ladies and gentlemen. Stock up. Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence decided, you know what? I'll tell you right now. You know what's going to happen? We're going to go ahead and throw four picks. We're going to go ahead and give you as bad and maybe the worst uh, first quarter ever. But you know what we're going to do? Or first half ever? We're going to make up for it. And we're going to go win. See, I like that. I like when a guy gets tested, and I like when he has the confidence to come back and the toughness to come back. I think that's fantastic. I do. Sam Hubbard, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Hubbard going 99 yards with the fumble. This was not a fat man touchdown. This was an athlete. Now, maybe a block in the back, maybe not. I don't know and I don't care. Uh, But this was not at all, not even a little bit, a fat guy touchdown. Sam Hubbard is an athlete. He caught it. He ran it. They didn't catch him. He had a posse with him, and the posse tried to screw it up. But guess what? They did it. So, Sam Hubbard, you are the man, and you did not give us a fat man touchdown. 
I'm all in on it. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, you ready for this? I'm going to praise LeBron James. Here it comes. Stock up LeBron James. Let me show you, ladies and gentlemen, let me show you a tweet that some guy named Nick Wright sent out. Now, I don't know Nick Wright, but I got to tell you, I don't know if y'all can see that, but every single statistic, youngest in NBA history to do everything, LeBron James. Every single youngest point total. Every single one. LeBron James was the first to do it. LeBron James was the first guy to go out there and do this. 1,000, 2,000, 3,000. I don't know. I Look, I will always say that Michael Jordan and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar are the two best basketball players I've ever seen. Ever. Ever. But I got to tell you, when you look at these things, LeBron James is right there. I mean right there. You You can't argue. And if he can somehow get another NBA title, woo, that ain't easy. All right, I want to wish everybody a happy Martin Luther King Day. And do yourself a favor, check out what Martin Luther King was all about. If you don't know who Martin Luther King is all about, but I got to tell you, a horrible statue that they put up. But I also, our vaunted president, Joe Biden, had to speak, right? Because when Joe Biden sees an opportunity, he's always going to take it. And when Joe Biden sees an opportunity to lie, he's always going to take that opportunity. So let's see a few videos of Joe Biden from this past Sunday relative to Martin Luther King Day. And let's lay one thing to rest. I may be a practicing Catholic. We used to go to 7.30 Mass every morning in high school and then in college before I went to the black church. Not a joke. Andy knows this. What two political heroes. Now, what is... My entire life, when I started off as a 22-year-old kid in the east side of the civil rights movement. Both debunked. Those are the words so of Kajan, what, Kajan, Katanji Drown Jackson, our Supreme Court Justice. Now, let me explain this to you. The first two have been debunked. Yeah. Uh, everything he has just said there, other than mispronouncing the Supreme Court justice's name is a total lie. So you're telling me a practicing Catholic wakes up in the morning in high school, goes to church, and then goes to the, quote, black church. Can you imagine any other politician other than the universally protected dumbass slash media protected Joe Biden? Can you imagine any other politician, white politician, in his 70s, 60s, 50s, 40s, using the term black church? But we're to believe this idiot went to church in the morning and then said, I'm going to the black church. By the way, Twitter will kill you. 
Twitter folks said, hey, look, uh, they checked with the black church. There's no Joe Biden at the black church. Not one person remembers Joe Biden at the black church. Another thing, I'm a 22-year-old activist. Joe Biden was never an activist. In fact, Joe Biden was a racist. Joe Biden described going to public school as a jungle. Joe Biden is the biggest racist we have had in office in modern times. There is no bigger racist. All you got to do is look at the words of Joe Biden. Joe Biden did not want segregation. Joe Biden referred, he did not want his children going to a, quote, jungle. Now, I don't know how you get more racist than that. But for those of you that still defend this guy, God bless you. Good for you. I understand there is nothing ever that keeps people on one side than politics. But Joe Biden's an idiot. And worse than that, Joe Biden is a liar. Joe Biden, as a 22-year-old, didn't fight apartheid. He didn't go to jail. What are we talking about here? Why do you guys allow Joe Biden to constantly lie? And by you guys, I'm talking about the legacy media. I'm talking about the media that goes to college and has somehow, some way, studied this stuff. But yet, they refuse to even discuss whether Joe Biden had visitor logs to the place that had classified documents. They don't want to talk about that. Well, Joe Biden did, or his press secretary, whatever the hell her name is. And there, of course, are no visitor logs to the home in Delaware. None. Zero zip. They're supposed to be. They brag about being the group that brought visitor logs back. But in this case, there are none. Of course, Joe Biden uh, shows a tax return that does not, ladies and gentlemen, does not show income from $50,000 or $45,000 or whatever it was from rent from Hunter Biden to the place where there is, oh, by the way, sensitive documents about, oh, by the way, Ukraine, where, oh, by the way, Hunter and the big guy, Joe Biden, made millions, hundreds of millions, allegedly. Now, I got to tell you, I don't understand why it takes guys like me or Clay Travis or the non-mainstream media to just simply say, media, how about you do your job? How about you get out there and you do your job? How about you get out there and you ask real questions? Like, it's astounding how people just don't want to do that in the legacy media. These are people, ladies and gentlemen, that actually studied this. Hell, I didn't study this. Well, I did, actually. I, I did study communications, but, I mean, what the hell? That was only because they didn't have math. But explain to me, if you don't mind, why people that literally make their careers out of this can't just say, we got to look into this. It's astounding. It's not surprising. You know, I hate the Indianapolis Star. You know I do, right? I mean, I hate I, the people there I just dislike. They're, they're liars. Hell, I made one so crazy, admitted adultery in a damn... Uh, article on me. But I got to tell you, I got to tell you this. The Indianapolis Star is led by its leader, Gannett, which owns the New York Times, or excuse me, the USA Today. Did you know this? That the USA Today is saying that we must 
outlaw saying words like aloha. Really. We must outlaw these things because if you say it to you, let's say I go to lunch and I say to my friend Ken Sterling this afternoon, hey, aloha, baby. They're saying that's mocking. Well, I say kiss my backside. I say that you folks in the news media stink. Culturally sensitive words, aloha, hola, shalom, are not to be said. Huh? They're not to be said, well, just because you can say something doesn't mean it's always appropriate. If you're not Hawaiian and you say aloha, it comes off as mockery. No, it doesn't. No, no, it doesn't. Just comes off as a guy with a greeting. That's how it comes off to me. Now, hey, look, uh, I have a new saying. Your triggers are your responsibility. It isn't the world's obligation to tiptoe around you. There you go. Your triggers are your responsibility. It isn't the world's obligation to tiptoe around you. Apparently, it's Gannett's obligation. Aloha. Everybody, we'll see you tomorrow. Hola to all my friends that I'm going to have lunch with. Shalom to my family, half of whom are Yiddish, Jewish. See you guys tomorrow, Ryan and Dylan and, and uh, Davey, Chuck, uh, God dang it, Corey, Haley, Aaron, you name it, we're on it.